Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday. We've got a really special show for you today. We're going to talk to Coach Harvey Hyde. Following the bye week, of course, USC did not play over the weekend, but a lot of USC questions to talk about what's been going on in the Pac-12. So we want to talk to Coach Harvey Hyde about that. You can follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde. Also, want to let you know you can get a hold of us a few different ways. Podcast at uscfootball.com is our email address, or you can give us a call at 641-715-3900, extension 816-646, to leave us a voicemail, or go to our website, peristylepodcast.com, click on the left side of the page, and you get a hold of us there as well, and wanted to bring in the coach, Harvey Hyde. What's up, coach? How are you? Buddy, it's, uh, bye week's been, uh, well, bye week's been uh, sort of messed up my rhythm. We were into doing our podcast, going to football games, doing a pre-big game show, doing it all. But I, I was able to uh, utilize my time well, going to a high school game and doing different things that I normally don't do. So uh, it was, uh, it was restful, but yet it was different. And I think that's how you feel when you're coaching, also. And I think that's the way the team feels. They'd rather stay in the routine and keep going, especially when things are going well. Restful but different. I like the way you put that, Coach. It was it was restful and different. I'm actually still in Tennessee right now. I went to the Tennessee-Arkansas game, and uh, my wife is a big Tennessee fan, for people who don't know. And uh, they, they end up losing a heartbreaker there. So the two teams that really couldn't afford to lose. So I got my college football uh, fix in over the weekend, Coach. It just wasn't USC. Well, I had a chance to go to that other school's game in the Rose Bowl. I went to to the UCLA game against (laughs) Arizona State, and uh, I'll tell you, Arizona State brought their game. They really did. They came came to play. They actually took it to UCLA. I really did think that uh, UCLA obviously uh, have lost a lot of their players, uh, but uh, I think they wore down Arizona State towards the end of the game, and Arizona State knew offensively they had to hold the game, hold the ball, similar to what Stanford does, and they held the ball and they drove the ball down the field and got that final touchdown and got that big push at the end of the game and demonstrated that they they wanted the game and they took the game and uh, UCLA loses that game and uh, Arizona State wins that game. So when you try to compare. You know, Arizona State from a week ago when SC played them to what they played in the Rose Bowl when I saw them in person, it almost looks like two different teams. Oh, so yeah. It, it was really a difficult thing to determine. Is is USC that good? Or did uh, Arizona State help beat themselves with the number of turnovers that they had in the game? So it was real interesting. I enjoyed the game and enjoyed saw, seeing people and well, more or less going to a football game where you can relax. You don't have to scout it and look at every play, but <laughs> enjoy the game. You know what I mean, Ryan? I know exactly what you mean, Coach. Yeah, and it's. It, I mean, you just look at USC last year from playing UCLA to Notre Dame. It looked like a different team. That's, I mean, that, <coughs> excuse me. Wow, I'm a little choked up over this, Coach. That's college football. I mean, that's what we like about it. We get all these questions, and we're going to get to a lot of these questions that we have for you today, but it's hard because – 
it is a bunch of 18 to 22 year old kids and it can be different every week, but you saw Arizona State look terrible, not just against USC, but the first four games of the season really didn't look good at all against any, in any of those games. And I kind of got the feeling they were going to turn it around at some point. And obviously they did against UCLA. Well, they did some things to really help them. And I think that uh, made them a better football team. First of all, they really did attack the weaknesses of UCLA's defense. UCLA has lost a lot of key people. In fact, they were playing a third uh, string um, linebacker uh, for UCLA because they had lost uh, Miles Jack and also their backup Smith. So they took advantage of that and they ran Berkovici. Berkovici. They ran him a lot with the football and they had a lot of success with that as far as uh, him carrying the ball. In fact, he once ran for a long touchdown. These are the little things that I've been talking about that USC can do with Cody Kessler, too. They're not great runners, but they're good enough athletes to make it happen, and they open up their offense, and they were able to do that uh, with him. And uh, they just hurt. They just hurt uh, UCLA with that. But UCLA, when they started to turn it around and started to come back, then uh, they were hanging on, and they knew they had to win the game with offense. Um, Coach, just wanted to thank our sponsor before we jump into the meat of the podcast, uh, SCTickets.com. So Southern California Tickets, you can give them a call, 1-800-888-7287. Uh, if you need tickets for a concert or any different kind of sporting event, we got playoff baseball coming up, you want to go to theater, you can go to SCTickets.com and they'll help you out. And uh, Coach, we have a bunch of questions uh, to get to, and I wanted to kind of Pick your brain a little bit about the USC stuff, but it's, it's, it's interesting you're talking about on the UCLA side. Um, we had a question, uh, a voicemail question come in, and uh, I'll play it for you now, um, and then get, kind of get your thoughts on it. Hello, Ryan, Coach Hyde, Dan. This is Ed Duncan up in the high desert. I want to congratulate the men of Troy for a great victory. And uh, the play was much better offensively and defensively. I was watching UCLA play last night, and uh, I noticed something that Arizona State did that I thought for a long time, boy, that would really help USC out if they would do it. Every critical situation that uh, UCLA had, Arizona State brought the house on them. It didn't give that young man a chance to set up and pick them apart. And I noticed a lot of times, on third and long, we go soft. And uh, I believe that USC would be far better off if they would just, hey, let's let's go for it. We don't have nothing to lose and everything to gain because we're trying to get back on top. So anyway, that's my take on it. Congratulations again and fight on. Let's beat Washington this week. Okay, talk to you guys later. You know, obviously, when you bring the house or you keep a young quarterback off balance, it really does help. If you notice early in the game, Rosen was completely off rhythm. and They had a couple of drop passes to add to it. You know, when you give a young quarterback a lot of different looks and you put heat on him, sure, it's going to shake you up. It's going to shake up a veteran quarterback. So, yeah, I I think USC can can mix it up more. They did a lot against – or more, I'm not going to say a lot. They did more – against Arizona State, but there's never, uh, there's so many different looks you can do and different fronts you can use and things you can do to help confuse the offensive side of the football. You've always heard me say, when a guy comes out and knows who he's going to block, 
It's so much easier than when you come out and you're not sure who you're going to block. You can't be as aggressive. So I think that, uh, yeah, any time that you can stunt and mix it up, and you don't have to blitz all the time. You can get burnt with screens and different things when you stunt all the time. But when you keep them guessing and you do put heat in, especially when you aren't getting to the quarterback and he can sit back there and get in the rhythm, then, then you're really helping him beat you. Because you can't cover all day in the secondary. You need help up front. So I really think the more pressure you can put on them and the more different looks you can give them or, or keep them guessing, and, a, and the play caller, too, then gets a little bit more confused, I think it's a lot harder. So, yeah, I think that with SC mixing it up with great athletes and helping the people that need help as far as on the defensive front, I think it'll be a great advantage for USC in the future games. Um, we had another voicemail question for you, Coach. Uh, this one, our, our buddy Al from Fresno. Um, so let me play that one for you now. Hi, Ryan. This is Al from Fresno. I have a question for Coach Hyde. Um, one is uh, on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, shouldn't we use uh, some of Nuku and Julio Penner more to soften up the defense to establish the run? Uh, these guys really want to play there in their final year, uh, and it can really help the offense a lot. Um, I like the wins that we have, uh, but there's still more work to do. Thank you. Bye on. Well, you know, I've always believed in a two-back offense, whether no matter who the backs are. And I think running the game and having a lead blocker always helps, and giving up giving the ball to the fullback occasionally helps too. Keeps everybody off balance. You can run different type of plays. You can get in an eye and run the fullback straight ahead on straight dives. You can have counters with him, a little counter trap with him. You can give different type of looks. And again, these guys are great athletes too. They're tough to tackle. And they're great blockers. So having a fullback lead on a power playoff tackle, hey, I think it's great. I think it's great to you utilize your athletes one-on-one and have a guard pull around and have a fullback kick out or have the, the guard kick out and the guard lead the guard through and also lead the fullback through either for the linebacker or for the safety filling. You become a more physical type of football team. You're more physical. You're stronger. Uh, people uh, know they have to stop the run, which will obviously uh, open up the pass more. And, and they're not bad receivers, too. And once they get the ball in space, these guys can run, Pinner and, and Vanuku. So, yeah, I, I would think that utilizing the fullback a little bit more in the offense would certainly help. Right now, there's two positions they really don't utilize in their offense, and that's probably because of the philosophy of their offense that they're currently running. They don't utilize their tight end at all in the passing game, and they don't uh, utilize a fullback. So... It's a different, it's a spread offense, and, you know, I have always said, and you hear me say, when you have a 6'6", 250-pound, 260-pound receiver in the slot, it's a mismatch with defensive secondary people as far as hitting them on slants, on corners, on drags, on curls, uh, the open area in the middle of the field, any area that you can put a mismatch like that, a deep post, is great, puts a lot of stress on the secondary, so... Uh, I think you've got to use your larger receivers at times, like they do at Whitney and others. But hey, a six-six guy, two fifty, <laughs> man, in the secondary—that's that's tough for these defensive backs to tackle. And really, it becomes a—it wears them down. It, it hurts to tackle a big guy like Fanuku in a pass route or a big tight end. So yeah, I would think that type of 
usage in, in the offense with assistant? Um, let's switch back over to the defense for a little bit, Coach. Uh, kind of following up on the blitz stuff, Tarek had a question for you. He wants to know, do you think the USC secondary has proven themselves enough that they could play some cover zero and then blitz most of the time rather than being passive in your estimation? Well, I think they have the athletes to do that. You uh, have recruited the top defensive backs in the country. Almost all of them are four-star, five-star. There might be a three-star in there, but not many. So if their reputation is that of uh, matches their ability and the coaching that they're receiving, I think kids like to play man. I think they like to challenge themselves and sometimes even talk to the receiver and let them know that he's not going to catch a pass the entire game. The greatest thing I used to hear sometimes, and I didn't tell my DBs to do this, but they, I would hear them on the sideline when they'd line up and say, it's going to be a zero day for you. So you might as well just learn to block. <laughs> I, I would love to hear that type of confidence. Uh, and, and yes, you can go after people, but I think guys like to be challenged against other great players to see if they can basically shut a guy out or limit his production uh, during the football game. Now, if you're going to do that, I don't care how great of a football player you are as far as a defensive back, then you better get to the quarterback or put pressure on the quarterback because I'm going to tell you right this minute, the guy can't cover them all day because they start throwing crossing routes and different type of routes that make it difficult for you to run across the field with other people coming across in your face to cover a guy. So, yeah, if you can get to a guy and get after it, that's fine, but you can't do it all the time. You've got to be able to mix it up and give them even sometimes rush three and drop eight. Now that really gives them a different look because it depends on the patterns that the offensive coordinator has called. So you want to disguise a lot of this. You want to disguise it so that the quarterback can audible, can't audibleize out. You can play off eight yards and come up and do a, a, a you know, play man, a press. You can do all kinds of different things. But you don't want to give the offense an advantage to be able to read your secondary calls or see what you're going to do to be able to run certain routes that hurt what your coverages are. So you mix it up and you don't show what you're going to do in the secondary. You don't show what you're going to do up front. It's all put together as one package so you have success with it and you you keep them guessing on what you're going to do. All right, let's move on to Paul in Vegas. He says, with the off week, Let's widen out the scope a bit. Uh, Coach loves Juju as a collegiate and NFL uh, and his NFL potential. I'm curious to see how he projects a Dory Jackson to the next level. His versatility is obvious in the NFL, uh, but what what in his considerable skill set does Coach think will determine what position or positions a Dory Jackson maximizes those skills on the next level? Thanks as always, Paul and Vegas. Well, you know, um, Dory and, and Juju are, are great athletes, okay? So when you're a great athlete, you're more or less, you're always trying to find how they can help your football program more. Where can you utilize them? Where can you put them in a position? How can you use them as a decoy? What can you do to mismatch them in certain formations and routes? And you're always trying to utilize great players to make great plays for you and assist your your your, your football team. Uh, you know, when I saw Dory the last game play, I was thinking all along, you've heard me say, wow, he's a defensive coordinator or a corner, keep him there and don't move him. But 
he was fantastic as an offensive player. He did unbelievable things in running the football against Arizona State. It was like uh, watching a highlight film. It was absolutely fantastic. But then again, Stevie Mitchell sitting when that's happening, and maybe Stevie could have caught that same pass and that same route because if you know the way they set him in the backfield and then put him out in the flat and then threw him the football, he really wasn't covered. So they wouldn't have covered Stevie Mitchell either. And Stevie Mitchell would have been able to probably do that same type of or make that same type of run. But Stevie's actually a very good athlete too. But again, Adoree's an exciting player to watch. You, you love to see him carry the football. Every moment that the ball is coming his way, there's a potential touchdown or excitement. There's always some type of excitement when he touches the football. But then again, you've got to have, you've heard me say, you don't want your players watching the game. You want your players on the field. The most you can put, the most you can put on the field at any one time is 11 on the offensive side and the defensive side. So you want to make sure your morale is good. You want to make sure you have your players in the right position. You want to make sure Juju has the same type of off opportunity to star, yet you have other people that can star on the offensive side of the ball that are receivers too. Where Juju will become a better football player, not that he isn't a great football player already, a very physical receiver, is to make sure that they have to respect all your other receivers and people that you put in routes. When you do that and you spread the field, it just gives Juju a better opportunity to get one-on-one type of coverages and be able to beat the secondary. So it's always a team effort, no matter what you think, no matter how you are. You've got to be able to spread the love a little bit, let everybody be a part of the game, and that makes everybody better. Uh, let's go to Terry and Coach. He has an interesting one. He says, uh, Coach, since it's a bye week, I'd like to ask you another one of my football 101 questions, like the ones you have patiently answered for me in the past. My question is, before the quarterback takes a snap, he usually points towards the defense. It appears that most of the time he's pointing towards a linebacker. What is he communicating, and who is he communicating to on the offense when he does that? This is from Terry. Well, yeah, mostly in, uh, in most situations, what they're doing is pointing to the strength of the defense. Uh, on the side where the, uh, say, the strong side safety is or where the strong side linebacker is or what the coverage might dictate to more or less tell everybody what side they're going to be doing their blocking schemes or what routes or what coverages they have. Uh, mostly it's the center that's determining that up front that when he points, uh, everybody sees that and he's got to be an intelligent player to be able to pick that out as far as the blocking schemes and also for the quarterback and everybody to do it. He does a lot of reading along with the quarterback. So, yeah, that's what they're doing. They're determining the strength of the defense and, and where a certain person might be lining up so everybody understands and gets on the same page as far as uh, when the block, when the play actually starts on exactly what what the strength of the defense is or, or what their blocking schemes are or what the secondary is going to be doing or or that type of thing. Because a lot of people switch or flip around their defenses. You see them doing that. If you come out in the right formation, they'll move the guy all the way over to the other side. You'll see defenses moving back and forth. But basically the center and quarterback sometimes point out exactly who's who, where, so that everybody is on the same page up front and everybody's on the same page in the secondary so no one misses what the coverages are and what you're going to do. Cool one, Terry, and thanks. Yeah, we like those football one-on-ones, Coach. Those are pretty fun. Um, 
We got a few more and then we'll let you go. Uh, Eric in Georgia. Hey Ryan, my question this week is for, uh, you and Coach Hyde. I guess you could throw this into the conspiracy theory pile, but I'd have to ask, do you think it's possible that writers in certain conferences collude together to prop up their teams in the rankings so that their conferences always have teams near the top? I'm just curious because of the way teams jump so high or don't fall too low. Uh, thanks. Just curious about the process. Love the show. Fight on Eric and Georgia. Um, do you want me to jump in, Coach? Do you want to talk about it? I mean, we can both. Well, uh, I'll tell you, uh, Eric, in, in Georgia, uh, I do think that happens. I do think that you have a lot of pride in the area of which you ride and support, and you've got readers that follow you. And the readers that follow you certainly don't want them to uh, – you don't want to be telling everybody that the Pac-12 is better than the football in Georgia or the Southeastern Conference. They subscribe to your newspaper, and you don't want to have a revolt down there because it's a religion in the Southeastern Conference and the ACC and these other areas. Uh, I think a lot is uh, done towards that way. Now, I'm not, I cannot prove this, and I'm just thinking, but so many of the services get and you know how services work, Ryan, but you're part of it. Get so many subscribers from some areas more than others. So when they get subscribers from more areas, they're going to make sure that those articles are covering the areas that they want to cover, and they're more or less talking more football as far as on the positive side as well as maybe on the negative side because they want to get the subscribers to continue to subscribe and from all these different services. And sometimes even in recruiting, some schools are getting higher rankings in the recruiting area because of the interest from those certain areas where they get people to sign up for the services. So, yeah, a lot of it, it it's a business decision, too, as far as you want to keep your subscribers you want to write, you want to have the best teams in your area. It's more or less a debate, too, and an argument which is fun between the writers in different areas and the writers that uh, compete and cover nationally. So I think that as long as people are honest and as long as they say the right things and, and give credit to other conferences, I think that's good. But then again, I don't think people like homers either. I don't think people like to to hear or read an article, everything's always good, no matter what. Maybe they're writing about something that maybe they went to a different game than you did. They want to hear people to be frankful. They want people or honest. They want people to, to write exactly what's going on, and then they'll continue reading their articles. So I do think, though, that there is a, a feeling of loyalty. Let's use that term in different areas of the country as far as their football is better than anybody else's. And uh, just I'll kind of add a little bit to that, Eric. Um, certainly, so it depends which polls you're talking about. So there's two main polls that come out uh, every Monday, and USC happens to be 17th in both of them right now after the bye week. The coaches poll is a bunch of coaches across the country. Every conference is represented. Most people think that's kind of a joke. Uh, the coaches really don't have time to watch all these football games themselves. It's usually someone in the administration or SID, you know, the sports information person kind of making the votes. And you saw there's a lot of weird discrepancies in that poll where Auburn was looking terrible and still being ranked. And there's just, there's no, there's, there's no, it's, uh, it's the USA Today coaches poll, but it doesn't really count for anything. So, um, it, it's still out there. It's still one of the main polls, but 
you know, what do you use it for? Not really a whole lot. The AP poll is writers that should be watching a lot more of that. And they're writers from all over the country. I don't, I can't see like a bunch of AP writers calling each other to have some kind of conspiracy, but I think individual people will probably have their individual biases. And you've seen a, a pretty wide range. Finally, Utah's popped up into the top five. They were, you know, it was hard for them to get in the top 10 and they had Michigan State up at number two mostly based on that win over Oregon. But you look at Utah's win over Oregon on the road was much better than what Michigan State did. And Michigan State's looked pretty bad in some of their other games. So they're starting – I think that poll's better than the coaches, but it's still not kind of perfect. And then, of course, the committee, they don't worry about any of those polls. They're supposed to do their own thing. Um, so – and that the committee's supposed to be made up of, of people from different regions as well. So I don't know – I don't think there's any conspiracy in that. That's a 13-person committee. Uh, but with the, the recruiting stuff that Coach was mentioning, I, I think we see that a lot. And it's you know, it's mostly has to do with ESPN. Um, you know, they have the, a big deal with the SEC. And you see, you know, players that are ranked, uh, you know, recruits in like Georgia, for example, they think Georgia's a, a hot, a, a more of a hotbed recruiting state than California, which is absolutely ridiculous. But, you know, you, you wonder, is there a ulterior motive behind them saying that kind of stuff? But, you know, who knows? It's... But you do see some of that. There's a lot. It seems to be more of a bias, uh, at least with them and that. But as far as polls go, I don't think the individual voters of the AP poll are kind of calling each other, trying to prop certain teams up. But like Coach said, I mean, you're in a certain region. You see those teams more. They'll probably be ranked higher in yours than, than somebody else's that's in a different region. So I don't know. I don't know if you disagree or agree with any of that, Coach. No, I think you're right on exactly what you said. You work in all those areas yourself as far as the services that you provide. And I think you're right on with everything. I, th- I think they, everyone tries to uh, be honest, but I think there's also a little uh, lean towards uh, loyalty too, you know? Yeah. Um, but we have a couple more just on the next game, Washington, Thursday night in the Coliseum, and then we'll let you go, Coach. Melvin wants to know, uh, I see that, that Washington also had a bye week this Saturday. I don't know much about Washington this year. Can you give us a general idea of what the strengths and weaknesses you can expect from this year's Husky football team? Well, uh, I think Washington is in a rebuilding year. I really do. They lost three. I think they had three players go in the first round last year. They did. They three. Had, and then four they, in the top 44, all from the defensive side of the ball. Right, so they're in a rebuilding year. Whenever you lose that many players, you've got to come back in and find some players to replace them. These players were pretty good players, so I don't think you can do it at the same level. I think they'll be a real coach, a good coach team. They'll have to get new defensive linemen and, uh, and make sure that uh, uh, they're physical enough to play. I think they'll, you know, Chris Peterson's team's always well coached. Uh, he hasn't always had the greatest personnel, but he's been able to coach the team uh, pretty well. I think that uh, the receiving core, I think he's going to have to find some receivers. I don't think they match up with USC speed-wise. Uh, I don't think there are many teams in the country that will match up with USC uh, speed-wise. They'll try to contain you, and they'll try to play solid uh, basic defense and offense. But, you know, they're going with a freshman quarterback, and he's not like a Josh Rosen. So it's going to be a game of a well-coached Washington football team against a very talented, talented skill-wise USC football team with a lot of great skill and a lot of great team speed. And as we always have been saying, the big play offensive type of football team. 
Can they compete with that? If USC jumps up on them, can they catch up and play with them? Uh, I personally don't think they can. I think this is a game that USC should go out and win, uh, especially what, what's in front of them. If they're planning on playing at Notre Dame and being successful there and then playing Utah the next week, then uh, Washington's a game that they've got to go out and realize it's a challenge, would be good enough to beat them. And uh, uh, I don't want to say that you take any game for granted. You don't. But you take it as a game that if you beat Notre Dame or if you beat Utah and you lose to Washington, what have you accomplished? You haven't accomplished anything, but it's still a a W and and an L. So you've got to be able, especially with the South and the division of the Pac-12 being so competitive, uh, everybody uh, has a, uh, an L except for Utah. Utah plays a tough Cal team this week. Cal is not a team any longer that you can just count as far as a victory. Cal is really a competitive team. They cause you a lot of problems. They throw the ball well, and they gave uh, they gave uh, they're going to give Utah a different type of look. It's going to be passing the ball around against power. So uh, I think I and 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 I think they played. Washington, I can't remember what the score was in that game, but I think they played Washington to a pretty good football game. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I look for it to be a very well-coached team, the Huskies, and uh, uh, I think that, uh, well, let me just put it to you this way. If you're the head coach at the University of Washington and you leave Washington to go to USC, which is the best job? Well, USC is <laughs> the best job. Yeah. So then if you talk about who should win, then who should win? USC. So that's my answer on that one. Yeah, and then so just a, a couple points there, Coach. Uh, so Jake Browning is the true freshman quarterback. So actually, I think he's starting to look a lot better four games in. Um, you know, the defensive side of the ball, they had to replace four guys. You know, they're all playing in the NFL right now in the top 44 picks, and like Coach said, three in the first round. But the Washington defense has actually been really good this year, and they played Cal not this past weekend, but when USC played Arizona State. And it was close. It was a close game and, uh, 30 to 24. So they did as good a job of anybody with Jared Goff, uh, and that Cal offense. So I think this, the Washington defense, I think is for real. Um, you know, they haven't been giving up a whole lot of points. They lost a really close one early in the season, 16, 13 to Boise State. Boise State's been looking pretty good. So it, you know, it'll, it'll, it should be an interesting game. Like I agree with coach. It shouldn't be one that USC loses, but it's not like Washington's going to roll over. Their over-under on wins this year was about four in Vegas, but I think they're going to do better than that. They're looking a little bit better. Uh, it's going to be tough to find some of the wins there, but I think this is a team that's dangerous enough, and as Jake Browning gets more experience, I think he's looked good, so um, it'll be interesting to kind of watch them. And then uh, one last one from Nick and Cypress coach. He said, uh, how do you go about beating Washington this Thursday, and what is your score prediction for the game? Well, I'll tell you, uh, I never uh, got into that much how do you go about beating him. I don't know that much about him yet. I'm just starting to study them now. Uh, but you just be who you are. You don't change who you are. You just execute better on what you've been doing. You add a little bit to uh, You've heard me talk about some of the things that I think would help the team as far as adding to it, as far as making it more difficult to defense. Uh, in the past, you've heard me talk about the quarterback situation, the outside running game and spreading the defense and the perimeter, perimeter to open up the inside of the game. Uh, I think you've got to establish the run and keep the run going no matter what. 
because off the run comes all your big plays, and I think you've got to continue with your mismatches as far as in the secondary and call the correct routes and do what you have to do to get better. You put you put your you put your bigs on theirs, and you make sure you dominate both uh, on the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball. I think on the defensive side of the ball, you've got to continue progressing as far as Number one thing I think you have to 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 improve on is you're contained. You can't allow quarterbacks to get outside of you or or anything like that. Greg Townsend, as I mentioned last week, did a great job at doing that. I think you've got to be able to continue to bring force up the middle. And if you can't get there, with your down three guys, you've got to assist them with linebacker stunts and so on. You got to be able to be aggressive on defense and have fun playing defensive football. Look what you did against Arizona State. You created four turnovers, which really made the difference in that football game. And when you have those type of turnovers and you hit hard and you play your position, then, then obviously the momentum goes uh, your way. So, so I think you've got to play hard. And uh, nothing against the athletes at the University of Washington, but if you check the recruiting polls, and Ryan, you're into that a lot. Washington has not been towards the top as far as the recruiting areas. SC has been in the top over the last several years. And last year, having a, a great recruiting class. So if you have better players and you do your job of coaching on what you're supposed to do and put those players in a position where you are supposed to win and, and, and they can uh, demonstrate their talents, then who should win the football game? USC should win the football game. If they don't win the football game, then you look and say, why didn't they win the football game? And you look back and you look at the areas of why, and I don't have to tell you why. Uh, but you get out coached, you get out played, you don't come ready to play, you don't bring your game, and you allow a team to come into your house. Now, how do you allow a team to come into your house that you're supposed to win and you don't win it? I'll just answer it, end it with that. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you 100%, Coach. So it's uh... – I think Washington's going to be really good with Chris Peterson in a you know a couple of years. They're just not there yet. Um, you got to wait for you know his guys and his system. And you know, I'm not certain it's going to work, but I have a pretty good feeling that it's going to be good. Um, you know, things kind of rolling up there. But I don't think this year and maybe even next year when USC plays Washington on the road, uh, it's going to be the same kind of team. So we'll see. Um, you know, I think it's still going to be a work in progress. You got to give a guy like that some time. And I think they've shown some really good signs this year, Coach, but just not – they're not quite there yet. They're not certainly at the level of USC. I don't think they're going to be in the you know, upper half of the Pac-12 North, and certainly with a team like USC, they shouldn't shouldn't be able to hang with them at this point. But we'll, we'll see. I think the defense has improved, um, but I just don't think they're yet, there yet, Coach. No, I agree with you. What did you say the points – I don't look at that right now. What did you say the odds were on the game? What does that see – What's the number on this game? Oh, you know, I I didn't look recently. I think it's about sixteen or so, sixteen and a half. I think it's something okay. like that. Um, yeah, I didn't I didn't look because we're doing this early on Monday morning. But uh, sixteen and a half. Well, that sort of tells everybody, doesn't it? Yeah, I think that I'll I'll look it up and see what it is. But I, yeah, but their their win total for the whole season was over under was at four. So people didn't really expect a lot from what. But I think they're playing better than what people kind of expected uh, coming into the season. So No, I agree. I agree. I think they're playing steady football. You're not going to get a team that's not prepared. The team will be prepared. 
Chris yep. Peterson's a heck of a coach. So you got to go out and just do your thing. That's what you got to do. That's what the challenges are. That's why you practice. That's why you want to get better during the week so you can perform on Thursday rather than Saturday in Southern California where nobody can get in on time. And the, yeah. the, the games, <laughs> you got to take the day off. What a stupid thing that is playing in Southern California on a Thursday night. And UCLA's got to do it twice in a row, Coach. Jim Moore wasn't real happy about that. No, it's absolutely ridiculous. I've talked about that a lot. I don't want to get into that tonight or today, but I talk about it a lot on a lot of my shows. When you have some time, I'll you'll let me vent on it, okay, Ron? Yeah, yeah. Well, UCLA doesn't have two home Thursday games. Like that would be really uh, difficult two weeks in a row. But yeah, just just playing home in Los Angeles on a Thursday at 6 p.m. is almost impossible for people to kind of get there. So, um, but, but we'll see fair. Thursday night. It's not fair, Ryan. It's not fair to the fans. How about the fans that buy season tickets and pay for all that money and say, now, how am I going to get there? I'm going to get down there. I mean, how am I going to get my tickets away? Is it fair to the students to go to USC during the day and night for classes? How do they get to their classes? Is it fair to the people on the freeways that work in Southern California? Now you put another 50, 60, 70,000 people on the freeways. Is it fair? It's not fair. It's stupid. It's stupid that that kind of scheduling because of uh, television that they've not negotiated ways of trying to uh, exchange with other schools as far as them taking their games where they get national coverage rather than USC or UCLA in these big areas of Southern California to to be forced to do that. It just doesn't make sense to to the fans and the players. What about if there's class on Thursday night? I guess that player just blows off that class if they're in it. I I don't know, but it just isn't fair as far as for people that love college football to be able to and support a team to be have to fight through that type of issue. All right, well, coach, great stuff. Uh, Got a little vent at the end. I like that too. On thank you, thank you. I feel better. Yeah, but thanks for coming on. You can follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde. But thanks for coming on the show. Thank you very much, Ryan. Have a great week, everyone. All right. Thanks, Coach, and everyone else. Thank you very much for tuning into the Peristyle Podcast. We'll talk to you next time. Here's a quick message from our sponsor, Southern California Tickets. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's one 800 888-7287 or visit us on the web at sctickets.com SC Tickets, Concert, Sports and Theater You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.